grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this evening, the gospel reading that we heard just a moment ago, Matthew 18, 21 to 35, especially the last three verses. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. So far our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. We live in a world that loves to keep score. In fact, it's an absolute necessity. You go to any kind of a sporting event, and what happens? You keep score. There's a winner and a loser. You keep score. If you didn't keep score, and just played for fun, and handed out a participation trophy, it really wouldn't be a game, would it? We live in a world that loves to keep score. Two weeks ago, we had elections all over the nation. We had local elections. How do we know who wins? Well, we keep score. We count the ballots. We're having a little trouble with that this year, but the principle is the same. You keep score. There are winners. There are losers. Think about this on a more personal level. You keep score with your finances. You keep score how much you have, how much you owe. And sometimes, as you keep score with what you've got and what you owe, it paints a pretty bleak picture, doesn't it? We keep score all the time. It's a natural part of life in ways that we don't even think about. It's only natural for Christians to think that that is how God operates as well. And you could not be more wrong. God does not keep score. We keep score. God does not. This whole scorekeeping business is right before us at the beginning of our text. Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Peter was really good at keeping score. Keeping score with those who sinned against him. He had it down to a specific detail. He wanted to justify himself. He thought he was being generous. After all, we know when somebody sins against us, after a time or two, we're done with them. We don't want anything else to do with them. So Peter 
being the magnanimous sort of fellow that he was, trying to justify himself. You know, when somebody sins against me, Lord, how many times should I forgive him? Seven times? Jesus would have none of this scorekeeping nonsense. Jesus says, okay, Peter, you want to keep score? Not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, Jesus was not saying on sin 491, don't forgive. How many times would we keep track that high? We couldn't. We wouldn't. Jesus was teaching that there is no scorekeeping when it comes to the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness is unlimited. Forgiveness is full and free and knows no bounds. We can only imagine what Peter thought. Probably about what each of us think. Yeah, that's pretty good for the Bible. But that's not being very realistic. You don't know the kind of people I work with. You don't know the kind of person I'm married to. You don't know the kind of kids I have. You don't know my neighbors. You don't know me. Whatever Peter thought, Jesus knew, because Jesus knows all things. And he knows how we think about the forgiveness of sins as well. He knows that by nature, we are all scorekeepers. We keep a scorecard. Oh, maybe not on paper. Maybe on social media. We keep a scorecard. Maybe not written down, but in our mind and in our heart. We keep score because we want our revenge. We keep score because we want our pound of flesh. We keep score because we want to be able to lord it over someone. That's who we are, all of us, by nature. Now, a few moments ago, collectively as the body of Christ in this place, we confessed. We confessed not only our sin at the beginning of the service, we confessed our faith. We use the words of the Apostles' Creed. Third article. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins. You said it, I heard you. You said, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And you know why you said that? Because you're a Christian. Christians believe in the forgiveness of sins. 
This is who we are. We are forgiven. Not by what we do. Not by our last name. Not by how much we pay, pray, or obey. We are forgiven by the grace of God poured out in the gift of His Son. We are forgiven by the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe in the forgiveness of sins. We live in the forgiveness of sins. The church is founded on the forgiveness of sins. You can't see it. You don't always feel it. But you believe it. And you confess it. My friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow baptized, quit keeping score. Jesus tells us this parable about the hellacious effects of keeping score. Oh, it's a fun parable to listen to until we realize the parable is about us. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. We don't buy and sell with talents. 10,000 talents? People estimate that that is between 20 and 120 million dollars. The guy's a servant. He couldn't pay that back if he lived a hundred lifetimes. An unbelievably high debt is what he owed. The king is ready to settle accounts. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. The king knew that this servant could never, ever, ever pay him back. Ever. And so what did the king do? Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him his debt. Unbelievable. Unthinkable. Terrible money management. Poor stewardship. Sheer grace and mercy. My friends, this is a picture of God and us. You. Me, every human being alive. Our debt 
is more than we could pay in a million lifetimes. We sin daily. We sin much. We sin against the first table of the law with our false gods and our false worship and our false doctrine. We sin against the second table of the law because we love ourselves more than we love everyone else. We gossip. We lie. We cheat. We steal. We covet. We lust. You know it. I know it. God says, be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. And we are unholy. Sometimes by accident, most of the time by choice. The debt we owe God is so great, so big, that we could not pay it in any way, shape, or form. So what do we do? The servant fell on his knees and he begged. He begged. My friends, this is who we are. We're beggars. We're beggars. We don't deserve anything from God. All we do is we beg for crumbs from the king's table. In humility, on our knees, we beg. And what does God do? Does he rub our nose in it? Does he say, clean up your act, and then we'll talk? No. He has pity. He shows mercy. He releases us from our debt and forgives our sin. My friends, We say we believe in the forgiveness of sins. But do we? Do we really? Oh, we love to hear that our sins are forgiven. The second half of the parable is just as much about us about you, about me. When that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. It's a hundred days wages. It's a hefty sum. Three, three and a half months wages. That's a good chunk of change. But it's certainly payable, right? Of course. This servant owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. 
So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Those words sound familiar? His fellow servant got on his knees and begged and pleaded for forgiveness the same way that he begged and pleaded with the king. And what did the forgiven servant do? He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. My friends, how quick we are to say that we believe in the forgiveness of sins. And how quick we are by our words and our actions to display that we do not believe in the forgiveness of sins. When we withhold forgiveness from others, we are telling God, we do not want to be forgiven. There is only one petition of the Lord's Prayer where we make a promise. Forgive us our trespasses, you know the rest, as we forgive those who trespass against us. We love to keep score instead of forgive. My friends, when we refuse to forgive as God has freely forgiven us, we are heading down a dangerous path. And that is a path to hell. You cannot consistently refuse to forgive and call yourself a Christian. It can't happen. It's not true. Christians forgive sins freely as they have been forgiven. Oh, pastor, I can't forgive him. I can't forgive her. He's got a bad attitude. She's not even sorry. Did God wait for you to clean up your attitude before he sent Jesus to die? Did Jesus wait for you to say you were sorry before he bled and died on Calvary's cross? No, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christians, forgive. And if you refuse forgiveness, my friends, it is like a cancer that will eat you up from the inside. What do you think you'll gain from it? A, a feel-good moment? A gotcha? A little bit of revenge? My friends, God is clear. If this is how we treat one another, we can expect God to treat us the same way. None of us wants God to exact revenge or a pound of flesh from us? Of course not. God has forgiven us.
fully and completely in Jesus Christ. And the mark of a Christian is to forgive. That's what we do. This is our life. You have the authority to forgive sins because the Holy Spirit lives and dwells inside of you. God has given you the Holy Spirit and where the Spirit is, is the forgiveness of sins. God has given you the ability to forgive sins. I have been crucified with Christ, our old nature, our sinful flesh, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What does Christ do? He forgives. My friends, how does God want you to live your life? Like this. You forgive, and 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 then you die. You die with forgiveness on your lips in the same way that our Lord and Savior Jesus, hanging on Calvary's cross, bled and died with forgiveness on his lips. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. My friends, we all have times when we have kept score when we shouldn't. We all have times when we have held on to hate and grudge when we know we shouldn't. There have been times when we have withheld the forgiveness of sins even when someone was begging us for it. My friends, that is not how a Christian acts. That is not how a Christian lives. So what are we to do? Poor, miserable sinners that we are. We fall down on our knees before the king and we beg. And what does the master do? He forgives. Up to seven times? No. Seventy times. Seven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, and our forgiveness in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.